Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, experts, tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by Tennistours.com, where you can receive a discount off your next purchase of professional tennis tournament tickets by using the promotional code ESSENTIAL. Well, thank you very much for downloading today's show and for giving it a listen. I'm going to be answering some listener questions today, but before I do, I just want to tell you guys I'm really excited for Wimbledon to kick off Tomorrow, I'm, I'm recording today's show on Sunday. Tomorrow, Wimbledon kicks off, and I'm looking forward to that tournament a lot. And for those of you who are going to be following along during the tournament, feel free to interact with me as I use both Twitter and Facebook. I'm starting to use Twitter more. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And if you guys would like to follow me and chat with me about the matches and about the tournament, you can follow me at twitter.com slash essential tennis and also at Facebook at facebook.com slash essential tennis. I look forward to chatting and interacting with you guys there. All right, let's get down to business. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's get started, and today I'm going to be answering some questions for Toby, who's a 4.0 player in Atlanta, Georgia. Toby wrote to me and said, I practiced for a couple hours today with a friend and came up with a few questions for you. He's got two questions here. I'm going to talk about them one at a time. His first one is, I love to hit the ball on the rise, especially with my two-handed backhand where I don't swing as fast as my forehand but can generate more power with less swing and hitting it on the rise can give me a little extra power. But it's also somewhat of a riskier shot because the ball is coming at you faster at the contact point, and so it's easier to miss hit. What is your stance on this? Is this something you recommend uh, for your students to work on? What are some ways to improve this type of shot? Well, Toby, in, in case you didn't hear podcast number 119, I talked about hitting on the rise the entire show. It was more uh, talking about technique and and how to hit that shot well. Uh, it wasn't so much about tactics, etc., which is kind of more what Toby's asking for here. Here's my opinion on on how often the shot should be used. Well, as you said, Toby, taking the ball on the rise is a lower percentage shot. It's it's definitely trickier than hitting the ball after it's bounced come up to the top of its bounce, and then is coming back down again towards the court. As I talked about in podcast 119, p- the positioning, that, the way that you position yourself on the court and also the timing of your swing have to be darn near perfect. If you're not in just the right place, you have almost no time to react to the ball after it's landed on the court because you're hitting it immediately after it comes up off the court. So positioning is very important, and again, so is the timing of your swing. If you're a little early or a little late, it's a very unforgiving shot. And also, the swing dynamics change as well. Due to, due to the upward acceleration of the ball, 
as I mentioned a second ago, kind of the more traditional and easiest way to hit a ground stroke, either forehand or backhand, is to allow the ball to come up, then let it come down again and make contact with it at a comfortable spot on its way down again from the bounce after it's started to fall back towards the court again. And and so this is basically the opposite. The, the ball is not accelerating downwards, uh, as in falling towards the court. It's instead accelerating upwards. And so that, that changes some things. You have to adjust your swing a little bit because of that. So taking into account the positioning, the swing timing, and the, the change in, in technique. And by the way, I talk about all those in detail in podcast 119. Um, this is definitely not an easy shot. It takes a lot of skill to hit this shot and even more skill to be able to hit it aggressively or relatively speaking and to be able to try to attack with it. So I think to answer your question, Toby, I think that this is a shot that players really shouldn't start to work on until around a 3.5 level or, or so. And for those of you outside of the U.S. who are not familiar with the NTRP rating system, basically a 3.0 player is around average. The scale goes from 1 to 7. 6.0, 7.0 are basically professional players. Uh, 3.0 is around average. 3.5 is a little bit above average. I want you guys to have a solid foundation of technique hitting the ball at its easiest point before you really start to get fancier than that and try to hit the ball on the rise very often. So uh, not until you're 3.5 do I really recommend people working on this on purpose. Now, Toby's a 4.0 player, uh, which is a good bit above average. And at that point, Toby, I, I think you're probably in the clear to go ahead and start working on this shot as even more of a weapon to be able to hit, hit short shots on the rise and be able to attack. And even shots that your opponents hit close to the baseline that are really nice and deep in your courts, I think this is a shot that you can probably go ahead and start experimenting with making a nice full swing at a shot on the rise and be able to hit it back towards your opponent with some pace on it and kind of send it right back at them and try to hurt them right back, right off of a good shot that they've hit to you. Now, as far as how to improve on this shot, just practice it a lot. (laughs) Um, It's very similar to, to a regular ground stroke. There's some small changes I'm not going to go into those here because, again, I just talked about them in in a lot of detail in podcast 119. So go check that out and just practice it a ton. It takes a lot of practice to get good at positioning yourself and timing your swing correctly to be able to hit an effective shot back. So, Toby, keep working at it and um, good job with your game so far. It's great that you've made it up to 4.0 level. Uh, To make it up to 4.5, it would definitely help you a lot to be comfortable hitting this shot back in general, and also hitting it back with some some decent pace and some topspin as well and sending it right back at your opponents. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Toby's second question, which I think is a really interesting one, and I hope you guys find as interesting as I do. He wrote and said in his second question, sometimes I feel that I get distracted by my vision of how I would like to hit the shot and can, as a result, miss it. For example, I just hit a great backhand the previous shot, and I want to hit it with the same pace again, but I'm not as ready for it this time. Or, I just hit a ball out wide and want to finish the point off into the opposite direction, but didn't quite get into position. 
I feel like if I didn't have this perceived notion of how to hit the shot and just focus on hitting it back, I wouldn't have missed the shot. Should I resist this urge and decide on how to hit a shot later in, in this stage when I actually reach the ball or just plan better? So basically what Toby is saying here is, is he's wondering if the, the whole reason why he's missing the point finishing shot, he, he's got the point set up in, in his favor and he, he's trying to finish the point now and, and end it by aiming for a spot that makes sense. He's wondering if, if the very act of, of thinking about it and trying to set up the point in his head is causing him to make a mistake and miss the shot. And this is a topic I definitely haven't talked about on the podcast before, and I look forward to it. And basically, Toby, I've got a question for you. So let's say that you've gone through that that whole sequence of shots. You've set up the point well. You've got that opening after hitting your opponent out wide. If you had just, and, and you ask the question, should I have just focused on just getting it back in play uh, rather than, than trying to aim, should I just hit it back? Well, I, I want to ask you, do you think that if you just focused on hitting it back, would it magically end up in the right spot? In other words, how successful would you be, do you think, in the long run, if every time you had a point set up in your favor, you just focused on just hitting the ball back in play? I mean, um, that, that just seems really short-sighted to me, and I'm, I'm surprised that you're thinking that that would be a good way to go by, by just trying to just get it back in play. And, you know, on one side of the coin, I see what you're saying. I, I would rather that you just hit it right down the middle of the court and make it than miss the shot and lose the point. So, you know, from that, from that perspective, I, I see where you're coming from. But certainly, you, you must realize that to be able to continue to advance your game and improve as a player, eventually, you're going to have to be able to pick out targets on the court and hit them at will over and over again, uh, regardless of the, the point situation or whether your opponent is, is in trouble or not in, not in trouble. If you ever want to become a 4-5 or five player, certainly a 5-0 player, you have to be able to pick out a target on the court in any circumstance and be able to hit it with a, a pretty high success rate. And you have to be pretty reliable in hitting your targets. So having a target is never a reason for distraction, or it shouldn't be anyway. I understand what you're saying, Toby, but I, I think it's a poor excuse for missing these shots. And I would encourage you, Toby, and everybody else listening, to have a specific target as often as possible for every shot that you hit. Never play competitive tennis and just hit the ball just to get it in and just kind of hope for the best and say, all right, I'm going to run to this forehand and I'm just going to hit it. <laughs> I'm going to run to this backhand. I'm, I'm just going to hit it. I'm going to get that ball and I'm, I'm going to hit it and we'll see what happens. That's not good enough. It's just plain not good enough. I, I, I want better tennis for you guys than just running to the ball and just hitting it in play anywhere. I, I want all of you listening to know the successful feeling and, and the pride in running down a ball, a tough shot, having a specific target in mind that you know if you hit it, it's going to turn out well for you, and then actually making the shot and winning the point because you, you were smart enough to aim for a good target and you made it and you executed it and you ended up being successful. I, I want all of you listening to know that feeling of success when you watch that shot go past your opponent for a winner. 
So you should have a specific target. Uh, please don't just hit the ball just to hit it anywhere. And you must have a plan to be successful. That's what really this comes down to. Um, you should be planning your points, and you should have a reason for where you're trying to hit the ball. Um, your plan should include aiming someplace specific, and again, for a purpose. Now we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, and to answer your question specifically, waiting until you reach the ball is too late, Toby. Uh, you said, well, maybe I should uh, just wait longer, wait till I get to the ball, and then, then decide then. Um, you should really have a good sense of where your next target will be immediately after the ball comes off your opponent's racket. And that's really important. You don't want to wait till the last second to, to choose your target because you'll become rushed and you'll make uh, kind of rash decisions. You're going to make uh, de- decisions that probably don't always make a lot of sense because you're not thinking them through very well. Not that you have a lot of time to sit there and think about it, you know, literally, and kind of have a conversation in your head about, all right, if I go here, what will happen? If I go there, what will happen? Um, basically, you want to be able to get better at making snap decisions early, as quickly as possible, knowing what makes the most amount of sense, and then be able to stick with it. Now, to make these decisions, there's several considerations uh, that you need to think about or, or be aware of. And I've got four here. Four things that you need to be aware of to make good decisions as far as your target is concerned on the court. Number one, your opponent's position and balance on the court. Meaning, are they in the middle of the court and already in a ready position as you're getting ready to hit your shot? Or are they way off in the corner somewhere and kind of still stumbling around and trying to recover from the the shot that they just finished hitting? So that's one consideration. You've got to realize and take into account their position and their balance. Number two, the quality and difficulty of the shot that they just hit to you. How good of a shot that they, did they just finish hitting to you? Is it really tough and you know over in the corner away from you? Or is it right towards you and bouncing at the service line and it's going to be easy to hit back? You need to take that into consideration as well. Number three, you have to know and realize your strengths and weaknesses on the court. What, what are the shots that you hit best and what are the shots that you're not that great at? And number four, you have to be aware of your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. And these will vary for every person that you play against. Uh, Some people are going to like their backhand and not have a great forehand. Some players are going to hate overheads. Uh, Other players are going to love overheads, and they're going to put the ball away consistently. These are things that you have to pay attention to. Now, a lot of you guys are probably saying to yourselves, well, Ian, that's a lot to keep track of. I'm not sure that I can have all of that in mind and and be able to make a, a decision based on that information all on the fly. Well, that's what you have to kind of start being aware of are, are those four things, and you have to start making decisions based on them. Uh, if you think that four things is too many to, to pay attention to at once, then just pick one or two. And if you were just going to pick one or two, I would say that strengths and weaknesses are probably the, the most important ones. Yes, you know, balance and court positioning are very important as well. And, and hopefully that's kind of a thing that you notice without really thinking about it. Uh, and eventually it's our goal to notice all four of these things and keep them in mind without literally thinking about it. We want to make this uh, something that happens automatically, but it takes awareness of it first. And uh, you have to first know what's going on before it ever starts becoming automatic. Now, let's give uh, two examples, specific examples of this, and we're going to talk about all four of those criteria and how this might look 
during an actual point. So here's a example number one of a specific decision. Let's say that your opponent just hit a forehand from off the court. So you hit a good shot previously, and they're literally off the singles court trying to recover, trying to recover the shot. They make it, and they manage, manage to get it cross-court, but not very deep and not very hard. So they've hit it cross-court from their forehand side. Let's say that you and your opponents are both right-handed, so they've hit it back across to your deuce side, and it's not very deep or hard. Let's say it's landing a foot or two short of the service line and um, without a lot of pace. Now you're waiting for the ball to come to you, and you're in good balance and in good position. So you're not in trouble here at all. They've hit a relatively easy shot, and you're going to be in good balance for this shot, and you're going to be in good position. Now let's say that your strength is your forehand, and their weakness is their backhand. So everybody kind of picture this in their mind, and uh, (laughs) as I say this, it's probably real obvious, uh, but these are the types of decisions that you have to be able to make. In this situation, even though it goes against the directionals, this is a good time to change direction and go down the line with your forehand. It's your best shot, your forehand, and you're hitting to your opponent's weakness. You're in good balance, and they're off balance. So all four of the criteria that I was talking about before point towards going down the line. So let me say that again. They're off balance, and they're off the court over on the deuce corner. So hitting down the line means that you're going to hit the furthest away from them possible right now. Also, it's their backhand. So even if you don't hit a great shot, you're hitting to their weakness and they're having to run clear across the court to get to it. It's your strength. So if you're ever going to change direction, this is probably the time to do it. And it's an easy shot. Uh, They haven't hit it very deep. So everything here points towards going down the line. And so I would suggest going down the line here, hit it confidently. Don't push it. Make a, a full swing. Doesn't mean hit it aggressively and crush it, but Definitely hit a good, solid, confident swing, and you should be aiming five feet inside each of those two lines. That might sound like a lot to some of you, but trust me, it's plenty close to the lines to be able to win the point with that shot. There's no need to risk missing it, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later. But in, in this circumstance, aiming five feet inside either line is more than good enough if you're hitting a confident swing to be able to win the point right there. And if not, you can probably close into the net and put away a volley on the next shot. All right, so that's example number one. Example number two, talking about uh, deciding where to aim. Example number two is they just hit an aggressive backhand cross court from the middle of the baseline. So your opponent is in balance in the middle of the baseline, and they just hit a good backhand cross court, and it's going to land deep into your backhand corner. Your strength is your forehand. So your, your backhand is not your strength, and their strength is their forehand as well. So what do you do in this situation? They're in balance. You're about to be out of balance, and you are not going to hit your strength here. It's going to be your backhand. And we know that uh, if you were going to hit them anything on their forehand side, they would probably appreciate that <laughs> in this situation. So the best target should be a cross-court rally ball. Eight feet inside either line should be your target, and you should also be aiming four to six feet over the top of the net. And the the reason why I give those uh, specific measurements is that we want to make this a safe shot. The smartest play here is to follow follow the directionals, go cross courts where you have the lowest net, the longest court, you have the most amount of court to work with, 
and you should be trying to aim well inside both lines. If we can, if we can hit this target, it's safe because we're clearing the net by a lot. Uh, we're staying inside the lines by quite a bit as well, a nice comfortable margin of eight feet. But um, keeping it eight feet inside the baseline still means that it's 10 feet past the service line. So we're not hitting a weak shot here. When you guys hear, I, I'm, I know this, when a lot of you guys heard me say to aim eight feet inside the baseline, I know a lot of you were saying, wow, that's a crappy shot. That, that's weak. It's not. There's 18 feet of space between the service line and the baseline. If you can hit, hit eight feet inside the baseline, just, just picture a shot that's landing 10 feet, in, uh, 10 feet past the service line on your half of the court. That's not an easy ball. It's not a sitter that's landing in front of the service line that your opponent's going to be able to try to put away. If you can put it eight feet inside either line, a nice high margin over the top of the net, and keep it cross-court, you're in great shape here. You're hitting to your opponent's weakness, and uh, you'll probably be able to get back into the point here. Maybe they'll attack again, but at least you put this back in play, and it was a smart target for you to hit. So being able to hit these targets for the reasons, and, and hopefully these two examples get you guys thinking, that this is the type of uh, critical thinking that you guys should be going through on the court. And at first, this might take mental energy. You might actually have to be uh, conscious of this decision-making process at first to be able to make good decisions and pick targets that make sense. It's our goal to be able to do this on the fly eventually without thinking about it. And being able to make these decisions and be smart about it, it's a learned skill. This is not something that you're just born with or not. It's something that you can teach yourself and train yourself to do uh, to be a smart tennis player. So pay close attention to your points and always hit and aim for a specific target with a purpose. Please don't just hit the ball and hope for the best. I want you guys to be better players than that. All right, in a second, we're going to talk about um, reasons why I think Toby is missing these shots. But first, I want to tell you guys about the sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and that is Tennis Tours. Dot com. Since 1987, they've been selling ticket packages and individual tickets to tennis tournaments all over the world, both ATP and WTA events, uh, both men's and women's professional events, and they specialize in the Grand Slams. So if you guys would like to go to the U.S. Open this year, they're offering some awesome ticket packages along with a lot of other options to be able to customize your experience in New York City. And I'm making plans to be there this uh, U.S. Open in, uh, in August uh, slash September. So I'm looking forward to it a lot. And if you make an order with TennisTours.com and use the promotional code ESSENTIAL when you check out, you'll not only get a discount off your purchase, but you'll also be given an invitation to a cocktail party. Uh, where I will be, I, I believe Will Hamilton of Fuzziola Balls is going to be there as well. And it'll be a great time kind of mingling together uh, in, New, in New York City. This is going to be in Times Square. Um, so you'll get a chance to hang out with me and, and Will as well and talk about uh, tennis and the U.S. Open. So go check them out. I thank them very much for their support of the Essential Tennis Podcast. All right, so let's wrap up this question from Toby. And I, I just spent several minutes talking about why picking a target is not the reason why Toby is missing these shots. 
or at least in my opinion, it is not an excuse. It should not be the reason why uh, him taking uh, maybe his concentration and thinking about the wrong thing. A target is exactly what you should be thinking about, Toby. So why is he missing? And why do you guys miss when you have the point all set up and it's going just the way you want it and you get that put away shot or that opportunity to be able to finish the point and you screw it up? Why? I've got four reasons here why I believe players miss these types of shots. And I'm sure that you guys will be able to, um, to be able to relate to exactly what I'm talking about, at least in one or two of these areas, if not all four. So why, why would you be missing? Well, number one, general lack of focus and concentration. That's the first thing that came to mind, Toby, when I was reading your, your question as I was preparing for today's show is you talked about hitting a good wide shot and then wanting to be able to put the ball away on the other side and you just missed it. Or you said uh, you're just not getting into position, even though it's not a very difficult shot. It seems to me that you're probably watching something else and thinking about other things, such as maybe uh, how great of a shot you just hit to get your opponent off balance and off the courts. And you're admiring your shot, watching your opponent scramble and barely get to it. They they made it, but just barely. And you're just enjoying every second (laughs) and every split second of this process as you see them stumbling around the court. Uh, trying to recover that great shot that you just hit. And I find that recreational players very often lose sight of the whole purpose here, which is to win the points, and they just enjoy thoroughly hitting that good ball that set them up so well. And before they know it, they're not in position for the next shot, even though it's a relatively easy one, and they make a mistake. They make an unforced error. So don't let that happen to you. Number two uh, reason why you might be missing these shots is poor target choice. This happens so much, uh, so often when I watch recreational tennis players play. They'll get an easy ball, their opponent is out of position, and they aim a foot from the line and miss it by a couple inches. And, and they think, oh, well, I just missed it. Um, that's too bad. But you know what? It, it was your mistake for aiming so close to the line. I, I don't remember what, which show it was, but I had a conversation with my good friend, Jason Cole on on a previous show, and we were talking about picking targets. Guys, professional players don't aim for the lines. They they don't even aim a foot from the lines. They're aiming three, four, five feet inside the lines on on a you know an average shot. The, don't get me wrong. There's times where they don't have a choice. They have to aim and try to hit an incredible shot. But on average, they're giving themselves many feet of margin for error, and you should be too. Don't get suckered into aiming close to the lines after you've just gone through all the work of setting up a point well, and you have your opportunity and your opening, and then you try to hit a perfect shot. Please don't do that. Um, Pick a smart target. Reason number three why you might be missing these shots is lack of confidence in your ability to finish the point. Uh, I see this a lot too, where, where players will hit one good shot and just not think that they have the ability or they, maybe they get nervous and a little bit tight and they, they don't have the confidence to make a good full swing at the next shot if, if it's a ground stroke or hit that next volley uh, firmly to be able to put it away uh, or whatever it might be. Um, and you need to practice combinations, one kind of one-two punch combinations on the practice court when you're, you're practicing your game. Practice hitting a good wide 
uh, backhand cross court and then hit, hitting a put away forehand down the line. Uh, practice combinations like that, maybe a, a down the line approach shot with your forehand and then a cross court volley to be able to finish the point. Practice those types of combinations on purpose and build your confidence in the fact that you can set up points and you can put the ball away. Um, don't just practice one shot at a time. Uh, that, I mean, that's good to do too, but you should practice on purpose putting balls away and doing it over and over again so that when you get into a match and you have that put-away opportunity, you take it and you're able to do it with confidence. Reason number four, last one, why you might be missing these types of shots is just general poor technique and stroke production. And all of us, all of us who play tennis are, are able to hit great shots at least once. <laughs> all right, we've, we've all hit you know, that amazing forehand or backhand or serve or whatever where it just came off the racket just right, landed just inside the lines for a winner, and everybody kind of stopped what they were doing and looked at you and said, wow, that was, that was amazing. Well, I don't want somebody who's able to do that and just be able to do it once. I want, I want to play with a partner who is able to hit three or four feet inside the lines and do it seven times in a row. That's who I want my partner to be. And so um, that's not possible without good technique. And if you struggle with being consistent and you're only able to hit a cross-court forehand two or three times in a row, nice and deep in the court before you make an error somewhere, you need to work on your steadiness with your technique and you need to work on your steadiness with your, your targets and you just need a lot of repetition to be able to put the ball in play over and over again reliably. Uh, Toby, you're a, a 4.0 player, so this is probably not the area that you need to work on the most. Uh, wh- wherever you're making a mistake, it's probably in one of those first three categories. It's probably not this one, but I'm going to throw this one out there as well for everybody else listening who might be uh, not as experienced as Toby and not playing at his level of, of play. You need to be able to be reliable with your ground strokes and with every other shot that you hit as well. All right, so Toby, that, that wraps it up. Hopefully that makes sense to you, and um, hopefully that was useful information. Get out there, practice picking targets for a reason, for a purpose, uh, targets that make sense. Make sure that you pick them wisely and they're smart. You're not going for too much, and, and practice it, uh, and you'll get better at this. But please don't think that picking a target is what was causing you to screw up. That's definitely not a, uh, a theory that... I would subscribe to. But Toby, thanks very much for being a listener. And uh, I was happy to answer your questions today on the show. Please let me know if you need any further help. All right. That does it for episode number 123 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for spending your time with me today or tonight, or whenever you happen to listen to this show, I, I really appreciate it. And in wrapping up today's show, I want to spend, uh, send a, s- a special thank you out to those of you who have donated to Essential Tennis and to the podcast in the last two weeks or so. And those people are Kim in Texas, Robert in Canada, Janin in California, Bruce in Florida, and Joe in North Carolina. Thank you to you guys very much for your support. I I really appreciate it. And if the Essential Tennis Podcast has been a help to you in your tennis game and you would like to reciprocate, please uh, 
think about donating to to the show and uh, really help support what I'm doing here and can make me uh, get closer and closer to my goal of of doing this full time, which I, I do plan on doing in the future. Hopefully, hopefully sooner than later. So uh, to donate, just go to EssentialTennis.com. And in the bottom right-hand corner of the front page, you'll see a box that says Donate. All right, that does it for this week. Have fun watching Wimbledon, everybody. And I, I hope to talk to you guys on Twitter and Facebook. Take care, and good luck with your tennis. 